Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. With just over two weeks left until voting closes in the Michigan primaries, one congressional race has everyone talking. Detroit Free Press writer Todd Spangler will join us to break down the race between Andy Levin and Haley Stevens in the 11th Congressional District. We'll also take a look at efforts to amend Michigan's Constitution to protect reproductive freedom with Lauren Kogali of the ACLU and Nicole Wells-Stallworth. That's coming up next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. Hey and welcome to Detroit Today. I'm Nick Austin, filling in for Stephen Henderson. Politics is not for the faint of heart, but not all races are so heated. Some are easily won over, especially for incumbents. That appears not to be true for two sitting Congress members. Haley Stevens of the 11th and Andy Levin of the 9th are two candidates who are battling it out right now. That's partly because the new congressional districts drawn by the Independent Citizens Commission have created an interesting race between the two of them as they both try to win the new seat in the 11th. Levin fashions himself as a pragmatic progressive who has won support of labor unions and the backing of Senator Bernie Sanders. He also talks a lot about our warming climate and the need to bring more clean energy jobs to Michigan to combat climate change. Stevens, on the other side, talks about her work in the Obama administration, helping to bail out the auto industry and lowering health insurance costs. She's won support from big names like retiring Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence. The 11th district race is fascinating, in part because it's clear that southeast Michigan's politics are changing. That area is more diverse by class, race and political affiliation than in the past, making it more liberal. But the 11th race has me wondering. How far to the left has it shifted? If Congressman Andy Levin wins, will that prove that it has become a more progressive stronghold? Or if Congresswoman Stevens wins, will that prove that the area is more moderate but still shifting leftward? Todd Spangler is a writer for the Detroit Free Press covering politics. He's been covering Congress members Andy Levin and Haley Stevens and can help us get closer to some of these questions. Todd, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, Nick. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thank you for asking. Especially with this amazing race in the 11th. I mean, we've already covered how we've got two incumbents coming up against each other. Let's just back up, Todd. How did we get here in this moment? That is a, a, a fascinating question in and of itself, because you have the redistricting commission build this new district, the new 11th, into what was previously a Republican-leaning district that uh, Congresswoman Stevens won in 2018 into a, a, a more Democratic district, a, a Democrat plus six district, um, reliably Democratic district. Everybody yeah. thought that, you know, Congresswoman Stevens, Congresswoman, uh, Congressman Levin would decide between this and the new 10th, which is a much more toss-up district in Macomb County, who would run in either one. And people thought that, Levin would run in the 10th, which is more Macomb County. He decided not to decide to run in the 11th, probably because he lives in the 11th. He grew up in the 11th. Um, you know, his base in southeastern Oakland County is in the 11th. 
and decided to, to go there instead. So that sets up this Democrat versus Democrat, which, frankly, a lot of Democrats in Congress, other, other Democrats, wish had not happened. They wished that, that Andy had run in the, uh, in the tent. But, you know, he, he decided to run the 11th instead. So Andy is the outlier here uh, uh, messing up the party for the Democrats on, on this one. Well, I think that I, I think he's got every right to run wherever he wants to run. I mean, you know, he, he's, he's from he's from Berkeley. Um, you know, his, his family, the, the, the Levin family is, was was centered in and around Birmingham. You know, his dad, Sandy Levin, who was in Congress forever, you know, represented Royal Oak, which is part of this district. I, you know. Sure, people thought he would run in the in the tent, but he has every right to run where he wants to. Certainly, especially when the district gets drawn around where his home is. While, uh, as I understand it, Haley Stevens had to move in order to be in the new eleventh. Well, I mean, Congresswoman Stevens lived in in Rochester, but she also, I mean, she, you know, she went to she went to, to high school in Birmingham. She also has roots in this district. She did, you know, after she got married, moved to, to Waterford. I don't know that that was motivated by this run per se. Um, again, I, I, clearly her district, the current district that she represents, is more of this new district than even um, Levin's is. So she certainly has every reason to run in this district versus the other one. So before we get into the differences between the two, uh, with yeah. the understanding that both have great claims to the 11th district. Can you compare what the 11th district is like versus what their old districts on the old map are like in terms of demographics or just uh, politics or what have you? Sure. I mean, I, I think the, the clearest way to look at this is that this is the new 11th, which was this weird, gerrymandered, tortured kind of district that Republicans in Lansing drew in, in 2011, which stretched from western Wayne County through parts of Oakland County, up and around, sort of circled around Pontiac, and, and, and it was, and you know, it was it was meant to be a district that, frankly, you know, then Representative Thad McCotter could win, and then you know it was state Republican for a while. Uh, Dave Trot won it. Uh, uh, you know, Kerry uh, Benavolio was, was won that district, and then in 2018, when you had this real big pushback against President Trump, this district. Switched, it, you know, it it it, it's, it moved over, and um, and Haley Stevens won it, and this new district, instead of being that kind of tortured uh, uh, district, is much more compact. It's much more southeast Michigan, uh, southeast of Oakland County, excuse me, built into that with a little carve out around Southfield, and so 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 that's it, it, it is much more compact, understandable district, which takes some of the strongholds that Levin had, which were down around Royal Oak. Uh, Ferndale, um, that area, and connected the, which were connected with Macomb County, which was that district, and combined those with that rest of of of, uh, of, of southeastern Oakland County, made it more compact. And that's where you have this this kind of district, which has this more inner ring area around Royal Oak, Ferndale, which Levin knows very very well, along with the Birmingham, more outstretched, more sort of chamber of commerce. Uh, area um, suburban way you think of it out in Birmingham and Bloomfield Hills and and that area so that's that's kind of the way it looks we're talking to Todd Spangler a writer for the Detroit Free Press covering politics including this new 11th congressional district and Todd in some ways this fight between Haley Stevens and Andy Levin it feels kind of like a fight for the future of the Democratic 
party, where Levin seems to present himself a bit as more pragmatic, progressive versus Stevens, a bit more moderate. Uh, Does it feel like a fight uh, for the Democratic more broadly, at least here in Michigan? Does it feel like it may be a bellwether of uh, where the scales are tipping in terms of progressive and Democratic politics? I think it's I think it's a very interesting race in terms of of what that district looks like and where that district is going to go. You just, I mean, and, and, and of course this race is going to, like always, is going to be decided by who turns out for this, who actually votes in this primary. I think you, I think you've, you've got a point. There's, there are a lot of Democrats who feel that the party hasn't been as progressive and as active as it needs to be. And Levin represents to a great degree that kind of movement into, you know, more supportive of, Bernie Sanders and Liz Warren and AOC and Rashida Tlaib and the squad. I mean, those are all people that he's more aligned with than Congresswoman Stevens is. But you also, this is also, you can look at this district and see there's probably a bunch, or there's not probably, there are a bunch of pragmatic voters who might be swing voters in a lot of, in a lot of ways. But recently, in some recent elections, 18 and 20, have voted Democrat. And are you going to keep those voters in order to keep swing districts, you know, around the country? Or, you know, if you if you if you lose those voters, if you lose those voters because this district swings a different different kind of way, what ends up happening in some other swing districts? So yes, I mean, I, I think that what happens in this race may have national implications because it, it might inform voters whether or not the Democratic Party is moving in the direction they want to see it move, or is it moving away from the direction they want to see it move? With a lot of these uh, winds changing, we've talked about the politics, but at the end of the day, these are candidates who have policy positions. And while they vote pretty steadily Democrat, there's got to be some differences between the two. Can you take a minute to tell us uh, what are some of the major differences between these two candidates? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the the, the first point you hit, Nick, is is a really important one. These These are two candidates who vote in, a, in the same direction almost all the time. I mean, they're both 100%. Right. Everything that Biden has wanted, they has put forward, they have voted for. Right. So there's no, I mean, it's, it, there's, there's very little daylight between the two of them in, in, in a realistic sense. Now, where the difference is, is that Congressman Levin is much more likely to vote for and push for um, the same sort of things that you see Ocasio-Cortez and, and Rashid Tlaib and those people uh, supporting more progressive kind of, of, of things. When, when, you know, when there's, when, when, when there's a, an amendment to cut national defense spending by 10 percent in the last, in the last national defense authorization bill, you know, Levin votes for that. He wants to cut defense spending by 10 percent on the floor of the House. Um, but this is a deal that's already been worked out, and, and, and Congresswoman Stevens votes against that. And I don't think you would necessarily take that to mean Stevens wants there to be out of rampant defense spending. I think being the more pragmatic Democrat, she's, think, she's, she's looking at it like this deal has already been worked out. This, is, this, this train's already you know, going out of the station. He's voting to say, no, 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 it's, we, we can still cut this. We should still cut this now. Um, those are the kind of differences you end up seeing. Um, Congresswoman Stevens is much more um, business. I mean, she's, she, she, she's going to vote much more along the lines of what is um, what, what she seems, what she thinks is, is good for pro-business 
um, uh, community than, 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 than Levin might be. I mean, again, they're both going to say they're good for workers. They're both going to say that what they do is, is, is meant to create jobs, but they may differ on where that, where that alignment is. Levin's going to be much more on that progressive wing. Stevens is going to be much more mainstream. Yeah, a lot of uh, similarities in terms of positions, maybe a little bit of changes in how they go about doing things and present themselves is what I'm hearing from you as we're talking about the 11th Congressional District, where there has been polling. The last that I've seen, it was pretty neck and neck. Uh, where are we at right now, at least with polling in the district yeah, I, that you know? I haven't seen much polling at all, quite frankly. I mean, compared to other years, there's been really a, a dearth of it. My understanding is is that much of the inside polling shows that uh, Congresswoman Stevens is ahead, uh, perhaps comfortably, um, uh, which you know m- may account for for why we're seeing a maybe a more aggressive campaign coming out of of of, of, the, of the Levin camp. That being said, um, primaries are notoriously hard to 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 poll, um, and particularly when you have a new district and you don't know what turnout is going to be like. And I expect turnout to be pretty low, particularly on the Democratic side, where we know what the top of the ticket's going to look like with the governor and attorney general and secretary of state. So it really is just going to be a matter of, of who turns out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't read too much into the polling, um, but I think what's out there would suggest that uh, Stevens is probably ahead. And this gets us to another point, right, as this is the primary and that person's going to have to still go on to a general election where they will face a Republican. But this is a redistrict map. So do we know anything about what we can expect from a general election, how the winds are changing or what the 11th looks like in terms of being a toss up district versus leaning right, leaning left? Right. I, 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 I I'm. I, the the Republican that I, I think has the the edge is 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 a, is a, 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 a businessman from from out in the Milford area, uh, Matthew Denotter, um, first time candidate. It's certainly not um, a well known name in politics. Um, doesn't seem to be attracting a whole lot of attention or money. I think that in and of itself tells you where this district sort of lies. Uh, this is a Democratic district, and this is. If, uh, even in a Republican year, which this very well may be, in a district where inflation and those sorts of things are going to be uh, very important, I still think the Democrat, whoever wins, is far and likely, I mean, almost as certain to, to, to win in this district. All the more reason why it's important to get out in the primaries, then, as we're speaking to Todd Spangler, a writer for the Detroit Free Press covering politics, including Andy Levin and Haley Stevens. But we also want to talk to you. What are the issues driving you to the polls in this upcoming primary election? And do you live in the 11th Congressional District? What do you make of Congress members Levin and Stevens? And is there any particular reason you're drawn to one or the other candidate? Give us a call, 313-577-1019, and we can talk to you about it. But first, I want to talk to Jason. Jason in Dearborn, you're next on Detroit Today. Hi, uh, thank you. Uh, This is a very vital important conversation, um, especially for people who uh, live in the 11th district and especially for working class Americans. Uh, I'm a UAW member, proud UAW member for 26 years. Uh, I live in the 11th district. I work in Dearborn, but I live in the 11th district. And I have to say that district is a progressive district. It needs to retain its progressive representation. Andy Levin has been a fighter 
for the, the UAW in particular, but working class people his whole life, we cannot afford to not send him back to Congress. He's the organizer in the Congress. We need him there. And let me tell you something. Um, no, I, there's an, a, a part of Haley Stevens' uh, campaign that is really upsetting to me as a UAW member and as somebody who uh, works in the auto industry. There's this whole mythology about uh, Barack Obama and Haley Stevens saved the auto industry. That's not the truth of what happened. The truth of what happened was, and I lived through this, the UAW opened up their contract and took massive, massive concessions to save the domestic auto industry. For, so for Haley Stevens to go around and on all her literature and on these ads talk about how she saved the auto industry, I think is, is uh, highly disingenuous. And I have to say, Andy caucuses with the working class, Haley Stevens caucuses with the business class. That is a huge, huge distinction. It's a cleavage we're seeing in the Democratic Party between the, the, the members of that party who are happy to, like, you know, go along with what the business wants and the fighters like Andy Levin who are going to caucus with the workers, who are going to represent the workers. I have no yeah. doubt when I go to work every day that Andy is fighting for me All right. in Congress. I don't have that same feeling about Haley Stevens. Well, Jason, we appreciate you bringing your point up here on Detroit Today. And, Todd, uh, I do yeah. want to get into the uh, labor and s- support and UAW support that Stevens ha- or excuse me, that Levin has, because Andy Levin does go back far with union and uh, UAW yeah. organization, right? He certainly does. Well, he, he, goes back, he goes back a long way with unions generally. I mean, he's, got, he's gotten an immense amount of labor support, and he was a labor organizer, and you know, he's, he was arrested during, during organizing you know, uh, 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 efforts and things like that. He, I mean, that, he, there's, there's no question that he has that history going for him. He is, he's indefeasible, um, and I didn't pronounce that at all well. Um, <laughs> we got it, though. <laughs> uh, but but, but it, it's a tough word to pull off, and, you know, just on, on spontaneous sometimes. I, 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 he, there's no question that, 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 that Congressman Levin has a, has a long, long labor history and uh, or questioning his support about that. But I will push back a little bit on what the, the caller said about Congresswoman Stevens and the, and the auto rescue. Because, I mean, it's, it is absolutely true that the UAW took major concessions in reopening those contracts to, 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 to fix that. I lived through that as well. And the fact of the matter is, is that everybody took concessions during that. Right. And, 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 and because what was left to not take those concessions was possibly losing the domestic auto industry and GM and, and Chrysler going, then Chrysler, going belly up. Yeah. Congresswoman Stevens was part of a group in the Obama White House that was making some very, very, very tough decisions. And, you know, and she was part of a group that was saying, you know, when, when, when the idea that, you know, maybe let, we just let abandon Chrysler was saying, we can't do that. I mean, and, and, and without the, the investment that, the, that, frankly, the Bush administration and then the Obama administration made um, into and, and going through this restructured bankruptcy, you know, Detroit's business community might not look like it does now. I mean, it, it, there's a, I mean, that, that was a much more complicated yeah. circumstance, more than just this, that. So, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't in any way suggest that, that Congressman Stevens is anti-union. It's just, it's true that, that Congressman Levin is, you know, has that history with the, with, 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 with workers and, 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 and deserves, and, and deserves all, you know, his credit for that. 
but I mean, it's 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 it, it's more complicated than just one this or one right. that. Right, 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 right. You have to break down other people where they're at, right? We're, we're figuring out where the daylight between the two are, but that doesn't mean one is necessarily anti to the other. But we're going to continue with more Detroit today as we're going to continue discussing this matter with Todd Spangler. We've got call lines open for you right now, 313-577-1019. Bob in Ann Arbor, you're going to be up as well as Julie in Orchard Lake and Vince in Royal Oak. Keep it locked right here as we continue with more Detroit today. Bringing you news that matters. Stories that impact your life. Music from the Motor City and around the world. This is 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Nick Austin filling in for Stephen Henderson talking about one of the most important races happening on the Democratic side for the primaries right now in the 11th district. I'm talking about the race between Andy Levin and Haley Stevens with Todd Spangler of the Detroit Free Press. And uh, we've got calls coming in right now. Next up, we have Vince in Royal Oak. You are smack in the middle of the 11th district. Go ahead with your comment today. Okay, thanks. Um, so I guess uh, the previous caller, Jason, kind of stole a bit of my thunder, which was, you know, just to note that that Levin has been, you know, a supporter of workers, and uh, I think that's pretty important. The other thing is that if you look at where the money is coming from, I think it's important. Um, you know, the, the one of the big issues has to do with with Levin's support for certain. Uh, 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 things related to Palestine, whereas you know Stevens coming out of the uh, uh, the government is more more hawkish, and so there's people who are typically aligned with Republicans who are putting money into the Stevens campaign. So I and you know something similar is happening in the 12th with Janet, Janice uh, Winfrey and Rashida Tlaib. So, you know, I think that's pretty important, um, and and there's paranoia there on the part of people who support Israel because, you know, many people in this country are starting to see, like, what the heck is going on over there. Yeah. Thanks for so, your point there, Vince. I really do appreciate that. And, Todd, he brings up the point yeah. about where the money's coming from between the Israel and Palestinian conflict and how there's uh, funding for sides pro-Israel that might be coming in uh, to support Stevens. Uh, what do you have on that? There is. And I mean, there's a vast amount of money that has come in um, from pro-Zionist, pro-Israel um, uh, 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 factions here in Washington uh, to support Congresswoman Stevens. And um, I mean, millions of dollars. And I'm not exactly sure how much at this point. I mean, and we may not know uh, right off the bat, but there's been there's been a lot. There's been there's there, and that's coming from APAC, the American Israel Public Affairs Committee. It's coming from their affiliated super PAC, which is um, um, uh, UDP. And that's, that's, that's taking place in ads. It's taking place in mailers. And they have labeled, you know, Andy Levin, who is um, from one of the most prominent Jewish political families in the country, um, uh, as being anti-Israel, which is a, you know, is a, is a, is a incendiary yeah. claim to make, certainly. Yeah. Um, and they've made that because you know, more so than 
Congresswoman Stevens, he has aligned himself with people, including Congresswoman Tlaib, um, who is, he's good friends with, um, you know, who have been very, very critical of Israel. He's been very critical of Israel and its, and its policies in the occupied territories, its treatment of Palestinians. Um, he does not believe there should be settlements. He's, 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 you know, he's been much, much more vocal on that. And, I mean, given Congressman Levin's politics and his personality, this, surprises, this should surprise nobody. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's somebody who jumps into progressive causes with both feet. Um, so that being said, and I wrote about this some time ago, the, the actual policies that he and Congress, Congresswoman Stevens um, both back a two-state solution are very similar. I mean, they both voted for Iron Dome. They both voted for, for, for these things. The real question seems to be that she's not openly criticizing Israel. Right. Okay? He is. Right. And that seems to be the real distinction here. Now, APAC and, and UDP have made it clear they want to elect Republicans and Democrats who are staunchly backing Israel and not really, not really, not, not at all, not criticizing the Israeli government and letting Israel deal with their issues. Still vo- voicing their opinions about two-state, but not criticizing them about what's going on in the territory, letting them work that out themselves. And that's not a position Levin wants, and that's why you're seeing this distinction. All right. A lot of money coming into these races, but this is a big race, as we've mentioned, in uh, Michigan's 11th. As we go next to uh, Bob in Ann Arbor. Bob, you're next on Detroit Today. Uh, Good morning. Thanks. Good morning. I I want to really stress that the, the difference is, in my opinion, Haley Stevens is a corporate Democrat. She, she voted with Republicans against the Raise the Wage Act in favor of the corporations, in favor of companies like Uber and Lyft, who didn't want gig workers included. And I think gig workers, like every worker, should have the right to organize, the right to be in unions. She supported the pharmaceutical companies when Andy and others were trying to rein in the excessive profit, you know, abusive profits and really cost of prescription drugs, she stood up uh, and, and sided with the pharmaceutical companies. On the environment, Andy's far more progressive. So it's really, you want a corporate Democrat who goes with where the money comes in? And APEC, I got well, to make this point. J- Jason's right. I was actively involved in the UAW during the time of the horrendous concessions and saving the auto industry. Haley Stevens was not any, I never heard of her, saw her or anything until she was running for Congress. And I was actively involved in all those negotiations, actively involved with dealing with the government body and Ron Bloom and the people President Obama had appointed to the, to look at the industry and we barely saved uh, the industry. So, you know, I think her claims are just not, uh, accurate. And and I want somebody in there who's going to fight for working people. And Andy has demonstrated over and over again, Medicare for all. Again, something that Andy promotes that she flip-flops on. I don't want corporate Democrats. I'm sick of like the mansions and cinemas who undermine President Biden, who vote with the corporations, who protect the corporations. I want somebody who's going to fight for work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I appreciate it, Bob. You do bring up the uh, prescription uh, drug pricing. Is there any distinction that you're aware of, Todd, between uh, Andy Levin and Haley Stevens when it comes to prescription prescription drugs? I, I, that is something that I got to say that I'm, I'm, I don't know specifically about where where they where they both land on it. I'm, I'm my 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 presumption is is that you know 
Congressman Levin is going to take a much more um, uh, 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 staunch look at like uh, just putting in places that would would cut prices. She's going to be a much more mainstream sort of like how do we work this right. out? Right. I do got I do have to say because the last caller mentioned Ron Bloom, who was who was you know involved in the, was a key member of the auto task force under under President Obama. I think if you talked to Ron, you'd probably find that he's he's he's, he's probably an outward supporter of 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 Congress, Congresswoman Stevens. I mean, I I mean, they're the two are close. I I just I I mean, whether or not this caller spoke directly to 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 to, to Haley Stevens during that process doesn't mean she wasn't involved. Right, in right. I, I just I want to push that. But I I wouldn't want to jump back on some thing. It is absolutely true that. Congressman Levin is a strong supporter in a, a single payer health care plan that that he wants Medicare for all that, you know, he, he supports that Bernie Sanders type, you know, let's let's have one kind of health care and that Congresswoman Stevens has moved back and forth on this. And as far as we know, is not a supporter of that last time, you know, it was any kind of speaking about it, that she thought there should be a, you know, different kind of plans and. I think you also have to look at the fact that besides them having two different political personalities, she's more mainstream, he's more progressive, that they also represented two different places. I right, mean, right. you know, Congresswoman Stevens is in a district that, you know, currently is probably an R, a Republican plus one district. Right. I mean, it's a, I mean, she's won it twice, but I mean, that's, you know, and he's been in, he's been in a position with it's somewhat it's somewhat more different. And they're going to and they're going to be both of them are going to be are now in a completely different district. So it's, it's an interesting time uh, with all of these new districts. And we have another call right now, this time from Julie in Orchard Lake. Julie, go ahead. You're on Detroit today. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Great discussion. Um, I very much appreciated the calls that have come in. Um, I uh, moved here from upstate New York, um, and I just want to preface this by saying I would be happy with either one of these congressional incumbents representing me in Michigan um, because I came from Elise Stefanik's district. Oh, yeah. Well, I, so, that's a difference. <laughs> that is a difference. Um, given that history, I am leaning towards Andy Levin because I see the GOP has shifted so dramatically to an inhumane party that really embraces and fundraises to violence and cruelty and inhumanity. And I think we truly need someone who is going to fight. And I see that fight in Andy Levin. I don't see moderation with today's GOP. As a female, we're in a post-Roe era. Like, that blows my mind. There is no compromise with these people. Elise Stefanik did nothing after children were murdered in Newtown in Parkland. And her husband is now a lobbyist for the NSSF. They are like America's first couple of gunning down children. And I, there is no compromise. I appreciate your call very much, Julie, and your perspective coming from New York uh, again. Uh, Todd, what you're hearing, I'm hearing there a little bit. First of all, she does mention that she'd be happy with both, but also that uh, what's happening on the right is causing people to pull maybe a little bit more towards the left and progressive in their choices. Are we seeing anything like that in this new 11th? Yeah, I, I think you're seeing that everywhere. I think I, I think there's a I think there's a strong and been a strong feeling um, for some time that um, as the country pulls along this this partisan divide, that there's little there's less room left in the middle, and people have to are being forced to pull 
more to the more to the edges on both sides. Um, you're certainly seeing that in this race, and um, that's why I say, I, I, how this race turns out is a is a is a is a is a question for me because while I think that, you know, the the, the district written whole, I think maybe Stevens would have a has a, an advantage. Um, it really is going to depend on who turns out in the, and votes in the primary, and right. I think that. You're, you're more, uh, given that the top of the ticket's settled, you may have a position where you, you get more, the, the people who are more angry, the people who are more right. motivated to turn out. And, right. and the Levin name, as well as, as Andy's progressive side, could, could help him greatly. Right. We haven't even mentioned yet, really, the connection he has with, of course, uh, Sander Levin and the history of the family, Carl Levin, right. of course, and uh, that discussion. Though many here understand it, I'm sure Sarah in Birmingham also understands it. And Sarah, you are next on Detroit Today. Thanks and good morning. Good morning. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation about how similar the voting records of these two candidates are. My neighbors and I have paid attention to Congresswoman Stevens' career since she's been in Congress for almost four years and watched all of her races, which you gentlemen have mentioned have been very contentious, uh, you know, toss-up races with Republicans. But never before have we seen this vicious negative attack ads against Congresswoman Stevens. And it's shocking to us, to me and my neighbors, that it's come from a a Democrat against a Democrat. As you mentioned, as people have mentioned all along, it would have been perfectly reasonable for Congressman Levin to run in the tents where 73% of his constituents today reside. He left them all behind to choose to primary Congresswoman Stevens in her district. Congresswoman Lawrence has endorsed Congresswoman Stevens in this district, and Congresswoman Lawrence uh, represents about a third of this district and has represented it honorably for many years. So the it feels like a, a really unnecessary and mean attack on a fellow Democrat. I really like it. Makes, yeah, it makes I've, us uncomfortable. I, I appreciate your point, Sarah. Um, friendly fire is never very fun, and with these ads going on, and and Sarah brings up a lot of uh, excellent points about uh, you know that we really got into in the beginning of choosing where to run and uh, how this race is being played out. But what are you? What's your take, Todd, on the advertising in the campaign? Has has it been going very negative, and has there been any uh, uh, pushback as a result of it? It has certainly turned. Um uh, to a more aggressive uh, campaign, I, 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 I hesitate to call something negative if it's if it's factual. Right. I mean, and I recognize that in politics, people do, you know, take some license with with things. Now, there's a there's an ad out there from uh, J Street, uh, uh, a Jewish support organization that's backing Andy Levin, that does have you know the fact that 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 stevens has received this apac udp support and associating that with the 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 people there they're supporting who voted to overturn the 2020 election and the you know and maybe were slow and in some cases have been you know um linked with the 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 trump efforts ahead of the the january 6 2021 attack at the capitol um those ads aren't necessarily 
incorrect in their text, but you know, I, I, it's 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 a stretch to suggest that, in any way, suggest that that Congresswoman Stevens was anything but supportive of President Biden and and abhorred the the, the attack on the Capitol. So I, I but but it's gotten it, it's it's gotten you know much more mean spirited, particularly on on well, I, I hesitate to say that 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 one side. Levin's side has gotten mean-spirited when you consider the attacks that he's taken from APAC, with people calling him anti-Israel, with people calling him, um, uh, 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 you know, this, this most corrupt member of, of, of Congress from, from people from APAC, which is, you know, also clearly pushing a line that's 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 not yeah i gotta say it is very very low to come at a a a person of jewish heritage like that and say they're anti-israel i mean that's just a a stretch beyond even in politics i can't but i do want to i do want to jump back to this one part though sure Uh, about 30 seconds yeah you know in terms of like whether or not this was unnecessary it's important to remember that the, the the part that that the levin family represented that was most democratic of the old district is in this new district. Southeastern Oakland County and Royal Oak and, and Ferndale in that area was very supportive of, 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 of Andy. And it's understandable why he wanted to stay in that district. I mean, I recognize people thought he should run in this other district, but you know, that he, he, people can run where they want to run. Right. Right. You can run where you want to run. That's the beauty of our democracy. Right. But right. Uh, uh, that's all the time that we have on this subject with you, Todd, although it's been a very fascinating conversation. I know a lot of people are going to be looking into this 11th uh, congressional race. So thank you for your great points and joining us to discuss that here on Detroit Today. Many thanks, Nick. We still have more Detroit Today coming up where we'll discuss uh, more politics in Michigan in the form of reproductive freedom in the ballot initiative campaign to add that to the Michigan Constitution. That's next up as we continue on Detroit Today. It's Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Nick Austin, filling in for Stephen Henderson. And the recent decision by the Supreme Court to overturn Roe has nothing if not been a polarizing decision for many of us. Indeed, many across the country were devastated, feeling emotionally overwhelmed and scared for a future where abortion access would be gone. Others were elated, having worked for decades to overturn the right to an abortion. They felt relief and reassurance that they saved an untold millions of unborn lives. But those who were hurt by the recent decision have not been sitting on their hands. Across the country, they have been organizing to keep or otherwise ensure that abortion is a right in their states. In Michigan, organizers are working to ensure that abortion access is enshrined in our state's constitution. Their work has gone far. The organizers leading the charge have already collected over 800,000 signatures, breaking a record in favor for the reproductive freedom for all language reaching the ballot in Michigan. Two leaders of the campaign to enshrine abortion access in the Constitution are here with us. We have Lauren Kogali, the executive director of the ACLU of Michigan, and Nicole Wells-Stallworth, the executive director of Planned Parenthood Advocates of Michigan. Lauren and Nicole, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello Good morning. and welcome. Thank you for having us. Well, it's obviously you guys have been doing a lot of work to get this uh, ballot initiative started, but I don't know how many people know what the language is. So I just want to start. What's the language in this initiative and how expansive is it? 
Sure, I'm happy to jump in there. Um, this ballot measure would amend the state constitution to protect Roe in Michigan. Um, it would protect the fundamental right to make decisions about pregnancy, including prenatal care, childbirth, postpartum care, contraception, abortion, miscarriage management, and infertility care. It's very good. And um, most people have pretty nuanced feelings on abortion. Uh, most people want to have access available while others feel in circumstances the state should be allowed to get involved. Does the language in this initiative uh, say anything uh, specifically about that, Nicole? Yeah. So, Nicole Wells Stallworth, Planned Parenthood Advocates of Michigan. And uh, that's a really interesting question. That, uh, as Lauren talked about, this measure does bring the protections that we have seen under Roe v. Wade uh, and enshrines them into the Michigan Constitution. And there is a um, component of this that allows the the state to regulate uh, at the point of fetal viability, which is a medically determined Uh, process that we really feel strongly that it's really important that people make these decisions between themselves and their medical professionals. Right. So it's effectively getting us back to the point we were before the decision uh, that occurred in the Supreme Court that recently overturned the right. You're just trying to take us back to a place where a lot of Americans uh, were were, uh, aligned with that idea. Well, we know that uh, a clear majority of Michiganders believe that abortion should be legal. So that's our starting place. This measure uh, goes beyond abortion. It does not simply protect people from uh, criminalization when they are seeking abortion, but it also allows people to make and carry out their own sexual and reproductive health care decisions. And it's very broad. It includes access to contraception, access to fertility treatments, pre, during, and postpartum care. Also, it prevents criminalization for pregnancy outcomes like miscarriage or abortion. And this is something that Michiganders overwhelmingly support, as we've seen in our campaign, with the number of people who have joined the campaign and decided to participate uh, because they wanted it to be on the ballot. And we can also, uh, that's also demonstrated in the numbers of people that signed our petition and uh, resulted in the record-breaking number of signatures that we submitted to the Secretary of State. Yeah, it's really been a historic effort that we've seen you both launch and all uh, the three organizations involved with this, I should say. But Lauren, I would like to you to jump in here and tell us, as we know, it's been an emotional time for a lot of people while you're still putting this work in to make this happen. Uh, as you've been out there speaking with people, uh, what, what are they saying about these efforts? What are they saying to you? What are you hearing? I think the enthusiasm and support for this ballot initiative is reflected in the more than 62,000 people statewide who signed up to support the ballot initiative. Um, Over 2,000 volunteers collected signatures from the Sioux to Kalamazoo to Detroit. Um, It really was 
um, an incredible turnout. And as Nicole said, um, all in all, we ended up collecting uh, well over 900,000 signatures from people across the state and submitted a historic, uh, the most signatures that's ever been submitted for a ballot initiative in Michigan, 753,759 signatures to the Secretary of State. Um, and I, I think uh, the what we have seen is... Um, you know, young voters uh, register simply to be able to sign this petition. We have heard people thank us for creating the space to be able to share their personal stories um, with their families and with their friends. Um, and we know, as Nicole has has said, that the majority of Michi- people in Michigan support um, the right to access abortion and to make decisions about their own reproductive health. Um, and so we expect that enthusiasm will carry us through November to win this uh, at the ballot. We're speaking about the ballot initiative that has been added uh, to the uh, that we will be uh, voting on uh, here as we're talking about that ballot initiative here on 1019 WDET. I want to go to you, Lauren, though. Um, If it gets passed and it's enshrined in the Michigan Constitution, but let's say Governor Whitmer were to lose re-election, could a Republican governor or the state legislature overturn it? How protected is this initiative if it were to pass? This is the value of allowing the people to speak by way of the ballot box. Amending the state constitution is really the most enduring way that we can protect Row in Michigan and protect reproductive freedom in Michigan. That's a good point. And it's more enduring to uh, work on it this way. It's obviously a way for Michiganders to really get involved and make their own decisions, especially with gridlock in the legislative process. But it also leads me to wonder, uh, with uh, marijuana and uh, citizen-designed political districts expanding the access to vote, all becoming uh, part of our law with ballot measures Uh, Nicole, is this where our politics is leading, where ballot initiatives are how we're getting things done in Michigan? You know, uh, we are at a time in in our history where uh, people are using their democracy tools, the tools that are available to us to speak for ourselves. Um, A lot of the rhetoric that you hear out there or some even some of the policies that have been passed um, have been done by individuals who were elected in a very partisan and gerrymandered world. Therefore, uh, it has become necessary to do things like ballot initiatives to make the necessary changes that are more reflective of what the majority of people want in our state of Michigan. And this ballot measure is one example, one very clear example of that. And I can tell you that in Michigan, we are one of three states now that has a proactive ballot measure to protect access to abortion and sexual and reproductive health care coming up for the November ballot. So that means that for our issue, we are going to be setting an example of how democracy tools can be used in each state to be able to 
uh, reflect the will and desire of the people. We're speaking with Nicole Wells-Stallworth, Executive Director of Planned Parenthood Advocates of Michigan, as well as Lauren Kogali, Executive Director at the ACLU and one of the leaders in the Reproductive Freedom for All ballot initiative campaign, which has set records in receiving votes to get put on the ballot. But right now, we're also speaking with Chuck in Dearborn. Chuck, go ahead on Detroit Today. Thank you. Just the other day, I was walking out of the Kroger here on Michigan Avenue, and I had this little thing stuck in my uh, door handle on my car. It said, do not sign the abortion amendment. This was obviously about the amendment, not, uh, uh, not what might be coming uh, after that. But uh, let's see, it says some things like, this radical proposal is not about reproductive freedom, which already exists, this poorly worded amendment, yada, yada, yada. I, I suspect your guests are probably familiar with this sort of thing. It took me a couple of reads to understand what was really going on here, but I wonder if they might be able to address it for the benefit of those of us who walk out of uh, grocery stores and find these things in our uh, handles of our cars. Yeah, that's an excellent question, and thank you so much for calling, Chuck. Lauren, can you address uh, concerns that people might have if they've been receiving this uh, documentation? Thanks. That's a that's an excellent uh, question, Chuck, and I appreciate the opportunity to respond. Um, I think the most important thing for people to know about this amendment is that it protects uh, Roe uh, for people in Michigan. Um, that it uh, in, ensures that the state constitution protects as a fundamental right. Uh, the ability of people in Michigan to make decisions about if and when to become pregnant and pregnancy care. And so um, it is not, uh, it is not uh, overly expansive, expansive, excuse me, it protects Roe. Um, and most importantly, what it does is it ensures that the most personal medical and healthcare decisions that people can make in this you know, in their lives, that those are kept between them and their doctors and the people that they want to involve in those decisions, that it is not the place of politicians um, to be making decisions, personal decisions, personal medical and healthcare decisions for other people. Thank you so much for that, Lauren. Alexandria and Southfield, you got about 30 seconds on Detroit today. Go ahead. Yes. Um, you know, um, with reproductive rights, uh, when, you know, I think about the campaign that is going right now and the ballot initiative, I, I think about how, you know, it's a crime. Like, you know, if the 1931 law rolls back in, it will be a, a felony to have an abortion. And while the Supreme Court, you know, if, if that ballot measure is passed and everybody votes for us to have reproductive rights, if that is passed, then, you know, we would be able to do that. But I would like to be decriminalized. Um, and I'm not sure if, you know, if this ballot measure is passed, if that's what it'll mean. I, I appreciate um, we'll, we'll We'll take the call right now. Thank you so much, uh, Alexandria, for calling in. And I'll give you an opportunity to respond. Nicole, will it uh, allay her concerns? Yeah, I, that's a great question. And thank you for the call and the question. The, um, there's a component of this measure that would make any laws that would contradict the protections that are being provided under this constitutional amendment invalid. That means that 
more specifically, the 1931 criminal abortion ban, which is one of the most harsh in the entire country, would be invalidated and it would protect patients and their doctors. That's good. I really do appreciate it. Lauren and Nicole, unfortunately, we're out of time right now, but thanks so much for joining us here on 1019 WDET-FM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. Thanks so much for your time, ladies. For having us. That's going to do it for Detroit Today right now. Keep it locked right here. Tomorrow we will be back where we're going to talk to CNN host Zane Asher about her book, Where the Children Take Us.